This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, we are part of, I think we're up to number 14 or 15, 14? 14? 14 of our Mido series. Coming to a close so, soon, and when we get there, Mitzvah Shem, there we go, um, we will select a different topic altogether. Um, and we also have some Shirim Mitzvah Shem that we're going to be rolling out after Shua's time for specifically for um, married women, um, dealing with marriages and panels and those kinds of things. I'm going to try to rope my wife into many of those things as well. So just stay tuned, nasanow.com for all of your uh, informational needs. All right, so tonight's topic is a topic which hopefully is not going to get me into any trouble. We're going to dive in for a lot of Siata Dishmaya that we are able to give us over in a way that will be um, acceptable, um, heard, you know, by each person. I have to tell you that this topic specifically is something that between um, my wife and I over the last many, many years, we've discussed this and kicked this around to try to define this because there are very, very fine lines here where people can get offended and insulted or think that this has nothing to do with them whatsoever when it applies to a lot of people. There are stigmas. And uh, we're going to try to do this with a lot of Siata Dishmaya so that we can give over this point in a way that people can actually learn, grow, and develop. Um, and let's see if we can do this. So what is tonight's topic? Tonight's Mida is called Kimutz. Kimutz is from the word like Kamtsan, which means to be almost like tight-fisted in terms of money. And this Mida really relates to how a person relates to money. That is the tonight's Mida. So obviously, if a person relates to money in a healthy way, then they're healthy. And if they relate to money in an unhealthy way, then they're unhealthy. So that's the short version. Thank you for coming. And we'll see you. No, I'm joking. There's, there's more to this, right? So we, got, we have to develop what does it mean to have a healthy relationship with money? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you first in the beginning, the Sefer Cheshben HaNefesh, how he lays this out. And quite honestly, it, it, it's, it's a little bit much, meaning I think a lot of people would hear this and sort of look at it and go, oh, wow, this is, uh, he's not talking to me, or, or it's a little bit above my pay grade. I'm going to try to make this uh, a 2022 share in the sense that we're going to try to relate to this in our own ways as much as possible. You may disagree with me, which is fine. I get that a lot. Um, and, uh, and we'll try to schmooze this out and see if we could come to a happy medium. So he basically says as follows, all right? He says that most people today, or many people, they, they sort of view themselves as having like a net worth. Like even in today's society, we, we say, how much is your net worth? And we, we value people based on monetary associations. And we're like, well, there's a net worth to the person. What's the net worth? Well, whatever amount of money they may be worth. That's sort of like how we, you know, relate to it. But at the same time, if you like think about it, like obviously that's, that's ridiculous. But he says that many people have what he calls a disease. And this disease is a contagious disease. He says, that's why this disease is so dangerous because it's not like many other diseases that somebody has. Where this disease permeates a person's mind, it permeates a person's body, and it, it, it sort of like transcends into almost everything that they relate to. And the way that it works in this disease, as he calls it, is that you value accumulating or amassing money for the sake of money. You're not doing it for any real purpose. You're not doing it for, to accomplish anything. You're just doing it. You're just making money. 
And in a certain sense, like you start to get blurry. It almost, you have like your vision starts going blurry in terms of whether you acquire that money legally or illegally, ethically or unethically. As long as at the end of the day, you amass money, you're good. And it's not just money. It's money and what money allows you to get, which are money and things, items, products, cars, what have you. And your, your entire focus is just simply about amassing more and more and more. Now, why is this disease a problem? The reason it's a problem is because as a person gets caught up in this, what happens is, is that they, A, they need more and more. The Mishnah says, right? Yesh mana, right? A person has 100, they want 200. You have something, you want the next bigger and better thing. And because of that, it becomes a part of you that whatever you have, whatever you have you're not happy. You become on a journey of unhappiness Therefore, your entire value system changes. Things that you, you know, would desire become all of a sudden needs. Like, I need, to, I need to have this. If I don't have this car, if I don't have this ball, if I don't have, you know, this game, if I don't, if I don't have whatever it is that I, I, I would desire, I need it. So then your entire value system changes. And then it becomes contagious. Now, your neighbor needs the thing that you have because that's what everybody has. So because of that, it just changes your whole value system. And then you, you need to spend more time away from your kids, your family, and all of that. And it just starts to snowball into an effect where your life slowly, slowly starts to shift. And therefore, he says that if you would break this down, you find that many people today, their entire focus is on money and what money is associated with it. And for many people, it's not necessarily the material. It's the emotional. It's the covet. It's the respect. It's, it's, it's all of that that's associated with money. And he says, that is the, the negative side of, you know, of money. But somebody who has kimutz, they understand what it means to live a life where money has its time, money has its place, and money has a value. And living by principles is more important than living in luxury. So when you have that healthy balance, that is what it means to, to live in a healthy manner. That all makes sense. Yeah? Okay, now I'm going to stop for one second. Adina, put your phone up here to make sure the water is off. All right, so I want to sort of like break this down in my own way to see if I can like uh, make this relatable to us because I think a lot of people think, well, if if I want to have a nice car, if I want to have a nice house, if I want to throw a kiddish for $25,000 on a Shabbos, like, why not? Like, why can't I do that? Now, I am certainly not the authority to deal with any of this stuff. You know, like there's headlines and lifelines and all these other programs that deal with all these major crises in Klai So I'm not here to say that. I'm here for, for me and you, not for Klai issues, meaning just simple people trying to like live their lives in a healthy way. How does that work? How does a person live their life in a healthy way? What, what, what is healthy? So I, I'm going to break this down. Feel free to disagree with me, but this is the way I look at it, Okay is that a person has their functional needs, the things that they absolutely need. Those things can be things like, uh, like a house or a car or, or, or clothing or food or whatever, the things, the basic things that a person needs in their life. And then there's a level down from that, which are things that people want. I want to have you know, certain things in my life. Do I need it? No, but I want it. And then there's a third level. And these are things that I'll call them their luxuries things that people desire. I desire this. I think, could argue, that really within A, B, and C, that's all within the, the realm of normal. Every single person has things that they 
want, things that they need, and things that they desire. And I don't think that that is the unhealthy side of things. But there's, there's a, a, a level down from this where you draw a line and you say, okay, here's where you cross the line. And that is when a person gets something simply because it, it really represents something to somebody else. You're not really doing it anymore for yourself. And when you do that for long enough, then the things that you desire, it's, you're not even getting it because it, it brings any benefit to you directly, but it's really more about the fact that other people relate to you in a certain way and therefore you need to have it. So I'll give you a simple example, driving like a luxury car, right? So some people need to have a specific type of car. Some people want to have a specific type of car. Some people, it's a luxury to drive that car. They know it's a luxury and therefore their relationship with their car is that this is a complete luxury. Fine. And then there are certain people who they don't need, they don't want, they don't desire. The only reason they're driving that car is because that's what everyone in their neighborhood drives. And the only reason why they're driving that car is because it's a status. People will look at me in a certain way. No, I'm a certain type of businessman. So therefore they have to look at me like that. I'm doing this for others. Oh, you're doing this for others. You're doing this for others. So then it's not about you. You don't even like, you're not even enjoying this so much. Then that's a problem. Like a thousand dollar bottle of uh, tequila or whatever, right? Some people, they, they need it. It's like they're, they're Shabbos. Like they get it. They drink it in their own basement. Nobody knows about it. Nobody cares about it. Fine. Some people, they want it. Some people desire it. And some people, they're buying it. They don't even like it. The only reason why they're drinking it, the only reason they're pulling out this ridiculous looking bottle is because it looks ridiculous. And because it looks ridiculous, people are like, oh, you have that? Yeah, oh, I, you know, it becomes a status. If the only reason you're doing that and the $50 bottle or the $100 bottle really tastes better to you, you're doing it because you're doing it for other people, then there's a problem there because you're not really living your own life. You're living your life for other people. And when you spend your money on things for other people, your meals just become totally skewed. And the things that you don't even realize that you're doing all of a sudden start climbing up the ladder. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, it's a, it's a luxury item. So you're like, fine, it's a luxury item. It's something that I really want to do. And then before you know it, you can't even make a kiddish without spending $1,000 on a bottle of wine that you don't even enjoy. But you're just doing it for other people. And then those other people, it's contagious. They also need to buy that same bottle because it's a status. They don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. You don't even like each other at the same kiddish, but you're both drinking out of the same bottle that you don't enjoy either, but because it's a status. That's a sickness. It's a disease. And it's contagious. And it goes from one person to the next person to the next person. The thing is, is that the intention that goes into each and every person is so personal. Because some people, they sit down in their basement on a Shabbos and they drink a thousand dollar bottle of wine or tequila or whatever. I don't even know these things, right? They drink it and they enjoy it. And they're like, this is my Ayanic Shabbos. I'm totally fine. And for another person, they like, they want it. For them, it's like, yeah, I don't need it. But like, if, if you have it, I enjoy it and it's great. And for another person, they're like, wow, what is chus? I got blue label or I got whatever. To them, they understand that they're living a life of luxury. And another person, they're doing it simply for other people. So you have the same exact action or the same exact car or the same exact house. But what's really going on over here is what's going on underneath here. And that's where this mida becomes so tricky. Because on many of the midos, you see somebody who's angry. You see somebody walking around and they're all like upset at the world. You go, okay, let's pull out our midos book. 
Let's see over here. Okay, you have no savlanas, you have no patience, you have no you know menuchasanefesh because you're clearly no You're totally disorganized. It's very easy to see when it comes to this mida. This mida is so deep down into who we are, and it's very hard to sometimes even be honest and realistic with ourselves. So I, I believe that this mida, in in a very large sense, is really about your intention, and therefore. It's really a lot about being Adam La'atzmai. It's about how you relate to yourself. And if you take a step back and you're really honest with yourself, then you're able to like look at it and be like, oh yeah, like that's, that, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really ridiculous. I'm crazy. I, I caught the bug. I didn't realize I caught COVID. I didn't realize I caught the flu. I didn't realize I caught this, I caught this, this machla, this disease of doing things just for a status. And because I'm doing it just for a status, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick. I have a sick relationship with money. I'm a sick person. That is this idea. Now, here's the question. How does a person know if they have a hard time relating? How does a person know if, if, if like, who you are? How does a person know? Am I doing this because I want it? Because I need it? Because I desire it? Which is, like, okay, fine. Or I'm doing this because of other people. How do I know? I'll tell you the answer. To shame my wife. Okay? The answer is how you look at other people who don't have this thing. If you look at other people who don't have this thing and you look down at them, you go, oh, that guy made a kiddish and he didn't have this thing. Oh, look at that guy's car, beating up, you know, this beat up car. If that's how you look at other people, then your whole kavana, your whole relationship with money is sick. It's not, it's not about you relating to this item. It's about you relating to this item for other people because your whole conversation centers around other people. And if you're living for other people, then you're sick when it comes to money. You don't have a healthy relationship with it because your entire focus is outward. But if you have money and you spend money on yourself and you enjoy yourself, you enjoy your life, then go ahead and enjoy it. Hashem gave you a bracha, go enjoy it. You could afford a $1,000 bottle of wine, go knock yourself out. Spend $50,000 a year on wine, go enjoy yourself. There's a guy I know, he has over, I would say probably about $250,000 collection of wine. He loves wine. Every simcha is wine, but it, it's like between being Adam la'atzma. He's not here to like show the world his whole wine collection. It's things that he enjoys. Knock yourself out. You have you, you want to live a life of luxury? Fine. Obviously, there's the concept of you know, like, like do, do things like in a tzniest way. But when you look at other people who are not like you, then you're no longer living with this item because it serves you. It doesn't even serve you. It's, it's you toward other people. Now, I was once with, just share with you a couple of stories here. I was once, um, I had a meeting with two people, both very, very well-to-do. One of them extremely, extremely well-to-do. And one of them was like, you know, comfortable. She's doing well, let's call it, you know? So it's like the Jewish joke, like, uh, Zadie, are you comfortable? And he goes, ah, I make a living, you know? Like, right, this guy, like, the guy was good, you know? He, he, whatever. And when we came out of the meeting, the guy who was like, you know, whatever, he, he like went to his car and he parked like right in front. And it was like a very, very, very nice car. Now, I don't really know much about cars, but this was clearly like a very expensive car. The other guy who is really a wealthy guy, he turned to him and he said like, Oh, wow, you're driving that car? So he said, yeah. So he said, yeah, like, you know, this is my car. He was all proud of it, which is great, you know. And this guy, this wealthier fellow, he said, 
um, wow, like, you know, you should enjoy it. And, you know, mazel, bracha, you know, giving him like all the brachas and everything. And he's like, you know, I was thinking actually of getting that same car. When we left, he said, I was thinking of getting that same car, but I didn't get it. Why not? He said, because my wife felt that it would, be, it, would, it would be for other people. Even though I really want that car and I would enjoy that car. But my wife just felt that at the end of the day, it, it, like it pokes her eyes out a little bit. My wife didn't want to poke out anybody's eyes. So she just said to me, please don't get that car. Get whatever you want. Just not that one. That one happens to be, it's too, it's too lavish. It's too much. It's too much in your face. He had such a healthy balance. He has a healthy balance with a lot of money because he understands how to like live where your money is a service. It's a purpose to you. It serves its purpose to you. Not where your money is used as going out to other people. And what he talks about here, and this is not my words, he says that what unfortunately tends to happen is that many people, they, they start to kosher their money through, phil, uh, I'm going to say this word wrong, philanthropic causes. Yeah, we nailed it? Good, we nailed that. Okay, right? What, what they do is they, they kosher it by becoming big givers of whatever it is, which he says very often is sort of stepping on the little person to get even more covet and fame for yourself. But then there are people who give so much money and they're the greatest people in the world. Not they're great, they're wonderful. What makes them so great? Because they gave money and their names are on buildings. And there's a fine line between what your kavana is here, that you need to sit in the front and you need to sit on the dais or like, whatever. It's not about me. It's about what they, what they, what they need. That's what your main kavana is here. There's a very, very fine line here. And a person who lives their life with a healthy balance has this need to down path. I recently met with a person who admitted to me, this person became very wealthy over the course of his life. And he told me, he said, if you track my children, you'll see that when I started out, we had kids. And, you know, over the course of, let's say, 15 years, they had children. He says, as I made more money, like my money went like this, my children went like that. He says, I literally sat there watching how my entire value system, my time that I was investing in family, children, learning with our kids, playing ball with them, running around the backyard, whatever, all of that became the office, my attorney, closing, 11 o'clock at night, I'm on the phone, piecing in front of my house, closing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I became, I didn't even have a life. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have children, I didn't have anything as life went on. And the more money I had, the more my kids hopped that they are nothing and the money is everything. They saw where my real value, values lived. And I slowly watched as, as, my, as my kids like slowly went further and further off and disassociated and hating everything to do with Jews and Judaism and Rabbanim and, and Halacha and everything. Like I saw, it was because all of my time, all my passion, all my energy was all going into this. It's like a, a direct correlation because families, marriages, relationships, even relationships with ourselves, the only way that they grow is if they're tended to. You can't let your garden just sit idly and expect it to like grow and make something beautiful. Can't expect your house. You sit idly, you come back, your house looks like it's like starting to decay and rot. Everything in life is like that. So are our relationships. Our relationships die slowly over time unless you water them, you prune them, you spend time with them, you talk to them, you sing songs to them. They're at least like your plants at home. They're much more than your plants at home. If you don't spend the time and energy on the relationships with other people, including yourself, 
your family, your parents, and what happens over time? Distance grows between you. People start to argue more and more. This guy was a living example of somebody who recognized after all these years and all this money that what is all this money worth to him? Nothing. He can't pay all the money in the world for the amount of therapists and getting back all the years that he lost with his children. All the money is worthless. Whereas he could have had all of this for free and maybe a little bit less luxury in his life. Money is a disease. When you have the wrong hashkafa, when you have the wrong outlook. Unfortunately, the world that we live in Everywhere we look, it's contagious. There's very few diseases that you catch from looking at it. This is one of the few. You have to be around people, right? Even COVID, like you can lock yourself in your house and you won't catch it, hopefully, right? Here, it's like, it's not airborne. It's, you just see it. You go on YouTube, you go on Instagram, right? If you, you go online, <coughs> there's, I don't even want to talk about it, but there's a certain house that recently sold, like the largest house in America. It was like a whole, whole thing. This house is a 100,000 square foot house. 100,000 square foot house, right? Like when you are looking at that for a half hour and they're giving you a tour, right? And you get off that house and you look around your house, you caught the disease, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, that guy's bathroom, which is six times bigger than your entire house, makes your house look like nothing. And you're like, oh, I think I do need to upgrade a little bit. Like it's contagious. It starts to play with your mind. That's just how it works. That is the disease of this. Now, I've told me that a, a, a certain person reached out to her and told her that a few years ago, she called her and told her she was moving into a certain community. And my wife was like, wow, great, wonderful, you know, whatever. She called her recently and told her that she's moving out of this community. So my wife said, like, what happened here? Like, you were so happy. You told me you liked it. You had friends and whatever. And she told her the following story. She said she was sitting around with her friends and they were all talking about a certain high chair, very expensive high chair that they were all getting for, for their kids, right? And they were talking about it and they were showing it off. And they were showing pictures and every day everyone was talking about this high chair. It came to a point where this girl was like, turned to her husband. She was like, you know, I think I'm going to order like one or two of these high chairs. Her husband had to remind her that she did not have a child to put in the high chair. Didn't have a kid that needed a high chair. She was so caught up in the status of this high chair that she needed it. It was like, I need it. And her husband said to her, you realize you're sick. There's something wrong with you. Like Nabok, you sit around people and you don't even realize what you're doing here. You're going to have an empty high chair sitting in the corner because it looks nice as the right brand. Something's wrong. So she, she had like a heart-to-heart talk with her husband and they decided they need to move out of the community. She said, I can't live here anymore. If this is the focus here, that I can't even see the difference between a need I need this, or I want this, or it's a luxury item. Those three things, go for it. You're buying it to sit in the corner of your house for that when other people come in, they go, oh, you have this high chair? Then there's something wrong with you. And I spoke to somebody who does houses, like he, he rehabs houses. He told me that he was hired to, to do a new kitchen for somebody. And he said he, he put it in the kitchen, and the person came over to him and said, um, I have a favor to ask you. Please don't tell anybody that you were asked this. So he broke that little uh, whatever. <laughs> okay. And uh, just between the four walls over here, um, the person said, could you take the knobs off of my new range, like the new oven? And could you buy a certain, like I looked into it, a certain um, red coat of like a, a, red, a red spray paint. Can you please spray paint the knobs red? So he was like, okay. 
like because it's flashic, so it's red. Like you want to like show that there's a. So they were giggling. They were like, no. The reason is because there's a certain very, very expensive range that has red knobs. So I'm not willing to spend like $25,000 to get an oven that's $25,000. That's crazy. But I spent $5,000 or $7,000. But I don't want everybody to know that. So I want to get the cheaper one. And I want you to just spray paint the knobs red so that it looks like I have the more expensive one. You look in my kitchen, you go, oh, oh, wow. Oh, you got that one? Oh, wow. Sick. There's something wrong. You're, you're not relating to money for function, for purpose, even for luxury. You're not even doing it for luxury. You're doing it for other people. And the minute you cross that line, that's where it becomes a sickness. I was thinking that there is a very famous concept, which we all know, that when we all come up to the Bezin Shamala, they ask us, did you do your business faithfully? Right? Nasata Bamuna, did you did you work with Amuna, which it could either mean that it was with MS, like you were truthful, or it could be that you you had Amuna, that Hashem was gonna, you know, give you what you need. It was like always in the back of my mind, but today like this question hit me. Like, why is that the first question? You ever think about that? Like the first question you ask me, like, did you do business honestly? Like, okay, relax. First, first, let's count up how many times the Davin Shmona answered. Okay, let's start with the good stuff. Okay, then let's talk about all the tzedakah that I gave. Okay, let's go through like one thing at a time. Ask me if I was a good father, a good husband, how much I learned. Like, why don't you start with the good stuff? Your first question you're going to ask me is, did you do business? Like, in a way, like, it like bothered me. Like, why is that your first question? Abraster, like, that's your first question? I think there's such a profound piece of this. I think it goes as follows. And I'll, I'll explain this with like a certain story that, that I recently experienced. And it, it like shook me and it still shakes me because there's some people out there um, that are like this. But I think that this really answers this question. So I was recently, I'm a forensic accountant. So I go to Bezin, I go to courts for various you know, disputes that are going on between people. And there was a certain person who was making a certain claim and he kept reiterating the same claim over and over and over. And he had rehearsed this lie many times. So he was saying this lie and he was saying this lie and he was saying this lie. And at a certain point, it was like a recess. And I went over to this person. And I said, I, I don't understand something. You know, you're lying. I know you're lying. This piece of paper here says you're lying. It's very clear that what you're doing here is you're lying. Now, the people who are listening here may not put it together because they don't know the intricacies of the case, but you're a liar. I'm, I'm just asking you point blank. Why are you lying? And he just like shook his head and was like, whatever, the point here is, is just to win. Like, that's the goal. Any means necessary. It doesn't matter. Whatever. And during the course of his soliloquy, he was talking about how he gives money to this place and this place and this place. And I'll tell you what struck me. I believe that the reason why, after 120 years, the first question they ask you is about your money. Did you acquire your money like, in a kosher way? Is your money kosher? Because a person's going to say, okay, let's go through my life. Look at my house. I always did. They're going to say, whoa, whoa, one second, one second. Did you buy your house with clean money? Oh, no. Okay. So then that's all discounted. Okay. I gave a lot of tzedakah. Is your money, is, was the money for that kosher? No. Okay. I, I paid Charlie, but I, I raised my children. They were great kids and they went to Asia. Uh-huh. So that was also trafe money. So like this was trafe, this was trafe, this was trafe, this was trafe, this was trafe. Everything here is trade. So we're not going to start in our court case to first figure out what you did right. 
First, we have to figure out if you even have anything to say. The first question we're going to ask you is, is any of your money kosher? Oh, it's not kosher? Okay, now let's start the case. I think it takes like, like the essence of the case of what we're being done upstairs. We can't even talk to you yet until we know if you're a kosher person. You're not even kosher. Your money's not kosher. So now you're gone. Now you're gone. What are we talking about? All the stuff you did in your life was based on your money. You know, money in, in Gemara language is called dumbim. So you're dumb. It's, it's, your, it's everything you live for. Everything I lived for was what? It was nothing. It was lies. It was, it, was, it was scamming people out of their money. It was lying. Sitting here lying to people. That's how you got your money? Or you're living your life freely for other people? Don't, don't talk to us so quickly about all the great stuff that you did with your money. Nobody's interested in that. I think it's such a powerful lesson. It's like the first question they ask me is, are, what are we talking about here? Is this keli? Is this kosher? If it's kosher, we could talk about what went into the keli. But if the pot is treif, then everything that went in here is treif. So it's treif. So we don't even want to talk to you about everything else. Too much? It like, it like struck me. Like that's what's going on over here. That's why it's the first, first question they ask you. Because a guy like this who could sit there and say, I know I'm lying. You know I'm lying. The paperwork says I'm lying. But it doesn't matter because it's just about winning. One of the greatest speeches that was ever given was by Ben Carson, who ran for president a few years ago. Ben Carson said, um, he actually said it in front of Barack Obama, who was like processing what he was saying. If you look back on uh, Tour Anytime, I'm not sure if the speech is on Tour Anytime. It might be on a different platform, but whatever. If you find it, you'll know what I'm saying. And he basically said, <laughs> Ben Carson is a brain uh, surgeon, really, really brilliant guy. And what he said at the time was, he said, I believe that in the White House, we need less lawyers and more doctors or accountants. And the reason for this is because lawyers are trained to win. They're trained to win no matter what the outcome, they don't care as long as they win. They're argumentative, they'll sit there and they'll throw every obstacle in your way to like sort of get their way. And he said, unfortunately, politicians and lawyers became synonymous one with the next. He says, but if you'd have a doctor sitting in the White House, a doctor can't just win. A doctor has to be right. You have to make the right decisions. Right? When you invest people's money, you have to make the right decisions. It's not about not getting caught. It's about actually becoming successful. And that was his speech. And it, was, it went down in history because he, he, he made Barack Obama sit through that entire speech where he went through and explaining why you know, lawyers should, Barack Obama's lawyer, right? Why lawyers should not become elected to the presidency. It should rather go to another field. I think the lesson is very clear, is that at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of discussions amongst people. And I think on a daily basis, we could all do this as to, how do I spend my money? Back in the olden days, when we were youngsters, they didn't have like these plans where, um, you know, you go ahead and you just make unlimited phone calls. It wasn't like you had a, a phone plan that you just call every single phone. You got like an itemized phone bill and it would tell you, you spent X amount of time on the phone. If you called Canada, it was like overseas. Like you called LA, it was overseas. It was like, you know, it was whatever roaming or whatever. It, like, it, but the days before cell phones, when, Horse and buggies, back when I was a kid, okay? So this Rebbe, you would see him almost every single day. He wanted to call his wife every day just to check in with her. How you doing? Whatever. This was the days before everyone had cell phones. Every single day, you'd watch him come out of the office. Mind you, he had a yeshiva phone on the desk. He would come out of the office. He would take a quarter, right? You probably don't know what that is. That's like the brown one, okay? And he would put it into a payphone. That's the machine that you put the money into. And he would call his wife every day and he would say to her, hi. And you'd see him on the phone. Hi, how are you? I'm just checking in. It's four o'clock. I just want to check in on you. You're doing well, whatever. And you hang up. Every single day, that was a quarter. Why? Because he didn't want the yeshiva to pay for his personal phone call. How much is that? Pennies, nothing. But he didn't feel like 
why should I spend the yeshiva's money? Now, it, maybe it's extreme, but what are my values and how do I live those things? Which is fine. It's beautiful. And whether a person should indulge in something which is a luxury, that's between whoever they want it to be between. But at the same time, when a person crosses the line, if the basis for the entire action, for everything you took in your life, is based on something which was predicated as a lie, it was, it, was, it was unethical, it was illegal, it was immoral, if that's the basis for everything, then it sort of just gets rid of all the schusim that a person could amass. It's almost like the Chavetz talks about somebody speaking Lashon Hara and then going to learn or going to daven. Your mouth is trafe. If a person's money is trafe, if that's your relationship with it, it sort of discounts everything else that you have working on. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.